Hi, I am Kyle. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Social Ninjas. Hiya! Jeremy and I both struggled with social anxiety and mental health overall. Now we both work to improve our own mental health and the mental health of others by sharing what we did to help our social anxiety and what we learn and continue to do to improve upon our own mental health. What we share is what we learn from our own experiences. We are not mental health professionals and what we say should not be used in place of or replacement of medication or your doctor. Enjoy, Enjoy the, the show. show. top two symptoms that plague those of us with anxiety are panic attacks and insomnia. Weighted blankets are a 100% natural remedy that studies have shown will help with both of these things thanks to the deep pressure stimulus they provide. They help the body release oxytocin, nature's feel-good hormone. Weighted by design, luxury weighted blankets offer glass-filled, custom-designed weighted blankets. These blankets use the softest fabrics and are handcrafted by the owner, who is both a social worker and an adoptive mom. So if you're ready to sleep again and get those panic attacks under control, check out weightedbydesign.com and enter coupon code NINJA10 to save 10% off your first order. Again, that's weightedbydesign.com. So we are the Social Ninjas, hosted by myself, Kyle, and Jeremy. Jeremy talks to strangers. What is up, Jeremy? Hi, Kyle. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Thanks so Hello. much for coming on to the show today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, <laughs> how rude of me. I forgot to say it. We had a guest, Gary Ware, here with us today. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I usually ask for a bio from our guest, but I figure I would just wing it with Gary. I don't know. I'm just going to go with it, see how it works. But, uh, <laughs> so this is Gary, and he is the founder of something called Breakthrough Play. And he is an improvisation expert, at least I'm going to call him that. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> yup. <laughs> and really, he's the expert of play and uh Tell, tell us a little bit about what you do. I know you do some stuff like doing some kind of corporate work and yeah. actually having people play around. And I don't know. I saw a bunch of cool stuff. I want to hear a little bit from you. Yeah. So first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on the show. And I am an expert at making things up. You can ask my mom. I, I've been doing it for 40 years. <laughs> so I, you know, Mac, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, like I exceeded that by the time I was five. Um, <laughs> but more, more specifically, as far as like what is breakthrough play, uh, breakthrough play, in my opinion, is a movement to get people to be rebellious, um, go against the status quo and use play as a medium to do a number of things. You know, I like to say it's like one of those stem cells in that depending on the situation, it can take form so many different things. It could be training. It can be a way to communicate better. And so, yes, I do corporate training, and I use play to help people essentially um, self-actualize if we want to go there. <laughs> I know that's a tall order, 
but um, I I am just going to take a stance, and I feel play is necessary to do all those things. I, uh, my question is, how does play get help people get to the self actualization? Well, first and foremost, it helps them get out of their own BS because we have that sort of ego that is like, you know, on our shoulder, like, oh, you're not good enough. You're not this, that, and the other. And think about when you're playing. Anytime you're playing a game, regardless if it's a digital video game or in person, you're playing hopscotch or football, you were so present. You were so in the moment. And um, a mentor of mine says, when you play, it's a, it's a representation of your true self. And so that's, that's what it is. You can't, you cannot, like, I know when some people say, well, when I play games, I get, you know, uh, I get like really competitive. Well, that's not true play. You know, I, I feel like we go over the, the sort of the line of like, go from being playing, true playing and like just being competitive. When you're truly playing, you're so in the moment, you're connecting um, with yourself and with other people, and you can't help but to just really elevate. Yeah, I like that. I like how you say that's how you get your true self. Uh, and I agree with that a lot. I've never thought of it like that before. Um, something that I heard you say that I thought was really interesting, I don't remember if it was I heard you say it in your TED Talk, but I remember when I heard you say it, I wrote it down. I wanted to ask you about it. Uh, you said play is the superfood of behavior. Yes. So I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. Kind of what yeah. you what you what do you mean by that? Yeah. So um, that is not something that I invented. Um, I borrowed that from my play mentor. Uh, her name is Gwen Gordon. Uh, she worked on she worked on Sesame Street. She worked for um, as a consultant for companies like IBM. Uh, she's super innovative and. The research, you know, shows that when adults play, or actually when anyone plays, there's a lot of benefits. And some of the benefits are reduced stress, improve attention, be more optimistic, you can improve creativity, you can be more flexible, you can have more resilience, stronger relationships. At the end of the day, it helps you live longer. Um, and that's why, you know, Gwen and, and I believe as well that play is the superfood of behavior. But as an adult, it's something that we overlook. In fact, uh, some wise person, it wasn't me, but they said basically adults are just kids who atrophied because kids get it. And then at some point, it's beat out of us that play is a bad thing. And we have to separate. We have to stop playing and we have to start working. <laughs> and that, I feel like, is a misconception. I agree <laughs> so much. And I remember I, I talked to you on the phone about this dynamic. I went to a retreat one time and <clears throat> grown men in the forest and were, were given the, the, were given the, you know, they're telling us to go out there and just pretend like we're kids again. I mean, how they just like grown adults just going out and playing tag and playing <laughs> God and go seek and, going on scavenger hunts and finding the magic witch and stuff like that and these some very my judgment masculine men in the beginning who didn't want to do it and then they let go and played like children and i'm not oh man we did like 15 20 30 minutes of this and these guys are super masculine and really serious and uptight 
we went to lunch and I just remember everyone was just in the best mood and there's everyone had big smiles on their face and they're just more mm -hmm. optimistic mm -hmm. and they're just all excited about the, all the ideas and things they wanted to accomplish. And that was like 20 minutes of it. And I'm, I totally agree with you that every single person has their inner child inside themselves at all times. And it's, yes. I, I totally agree with you that it's this dynamic that some people lock their inner child up a little bit more. No, agreed. And when you get a chance to play, you let that out. And so if you want to just break it down on the science side, yeah. when you, when you're, pl when you're playing, a few things are happening. Your brain waves are syncing up with the people that you're playing with. Um, so there, now we have that sort of like sort of mental consciousness, like sort of, uh, alignment. You are producing oxytocin. Um, you're producing serotonin. Those are things that allow you to trust other people and feel like you belong. And when you're laughing and giggling, you're producing endorf endorphins and dopamine. That gives you focus. That gives you added creativity. And it makes you feel good. And so those, if you think about all the things that are necessary, one, for us as a society to bond together, to connect. And then if you take it to work as far as productivity, um, be innovative, you get all of those things from play. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's a, <laughs> I mean, even before we, we got in this conversation, started kind of looking over the stuff you did, and it seems like, mm -hmm. man, play is, well, really, it seems like it's a, a way of self-care, first it of all. Is. It and is. And it seems like it has a lot of benefit for your own mental health, which is, yep. you know, something that we talk about on a weekly basis here, uh, of course. And uh, it's something yeah. I saw in your TED Talk I don't think it was your quote, but you quoted it from someone that said the opposite of play isn't work, it's depression. Depression, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. So my, my question to that was, so when you are depressed, I'm sure we all here have been at some point in our life had some sort of depressive state. It's kind of hard to get yourself out and even think about start playing. Is yes. there, a, is there a, a way to kind of get out of that mode in your head? and to start playing um so you're absolutely right it's it's one of those things that it's it's sort of a paradox and, it, and it's challenging because when you're in like i like to say call it state management when you're in a state of um you know anxiety depression you you are over like your brain is just consumed with it and you are taking on that persona of like you know how does someone who's and you know depressed and anxious how do they act and the anecdote is play, but it's challenging when you're in that state to think about it. So it's it's one of those things where you have to plan in advance. It's almost like, you know, how like we have fire drills and we have earthquake drills and disaster preparedness drills. It's almost like when you're out of that state, you have to like think about like, all right, what are the cues that I am getting? You know, I'm starting to experience, you know, depression and stuff like that. And what could I like set up for myself to start to start the process also who and uh, a researcher that i really admire her name is jane mcgonagall she wrote this book called super better talking about how play can make you more resilient and you know it can be used to like overcome a lot of things she says have an ally 
you know, uh, or I call it a playmate that that someone that you trust, someone that has your back that can start to see those cues because again, I like to say you can't see the picture from inside the frame. So a lot of times you don't realize that you're going down that, you know, sort of spiral thing until it's too late. So someone that can see that and know, um, or either you Harry Potter fans, funny chance. Yeah. So, uh, do you remember, um, I forgot what the name of the professor, the one that turned into a werewolf. Oh, gosh, gosh. Oh, uh, no. I know, right? Like, the true Harry Potter fans are just going to be, like, sort of like, <laughs> it's such a such. Yelling through the, the, the like, oh, right it's... <laughs> But nonetheless, when, when you know, that person would, um, you know, every month, you know, start to turn into a werewolf, his buddies with Harry Potter's dad and uh, Sirius Black, they would know that and they would set him up for success like all right you're about to transition we are going to create an environment where like you know we can play and you know sort of help you out and so imagine your playmates having your back and you're like hey look these are my cues when you see this this is what i need you to do wow so what is uh what are your cues and what is what is your playmate and all the stuff they set up for you look like so for, for, first and foremost, I want to address the whole thing about like the opposite of, of uh, play isn't work, the opposite of play is depression. Um, what they mean by that is that Dr. Stuart Brown, who wrote this book called Play, um, he talks about that as adults, we go through play deprivation. You know, so we're focusing so much on all these other things. Our cup is essentially depleting and we're not allowing ourselves to play. And as a result, we're having, you know, some of these, you know, symptoms that, you know, manifest as depression and anxiety. And, and I am no way a doctor. So this is not medical advice. And I know there are some people that have extreme cases that is very clinical that this is, you know, so I just want to put that disclaimer out there first. Um, but in these situations, going back to myself, some of the things that I know is that when I am very, like focus on a project, sometimes I get like sort of tunnel vision and I don't do the things that sort of keep my energy up. And so, you know, maybe I'm not properly eating and, you know, all these other things, I'm not resting. And I start to get a little bit irritable. Um, I start to like get self-critical, um, you know, all those things. And for me, sometimes it's as simple as like, Hey Gary, let's go, let's go for a walk or music. So there's two things that I want to point out. Smells, and music are two of the quickest things to change your mood. Because think about a song. Like, you can listen to a song and it can take you back somewhere. It can make you think about, like, that time when you were in high school and you were at this dance and you got one of your first kisses. Like, like it can instantly take you back there. Or you can smell something and it can remind you of summertime when you were 12 years old playing baseball Little League and when you caught that home run. You know, you caught that pop fly um, to you know, get rid of that home run or whatever the case may be. Um, so this is another thing is for me, I have this may sound a little bit like crazy, but I have this lotion uh, that it has this smell. And like it only works for me just because uh, on a psychological level, there's these things called peak emotional experiences. And when you have something that is high arousal, it's either positive or negative. But like when you have a high arousal, your brain remembers anything that's around that. And so there's this smell that reminds me of like this amazing vacation that I have. And every time I smell it, boom, instantly I go back there. And what it does is it gives me a micro moment to shift my state 
and by state I mean like sort of emotion that uh, gives me half a chance to make some shifts. So mm-hmm. like I have that candy, you know, some people use essential oils or something like that and like a quick sniff of lavender, boom, you know, it, it breaks you out of that. Sure. But it just needs to be something to break your pattern so that you can so you can do it. So a friend of mine, he will send me like if he knows like I'm, you know, I'll send him a text. I'm like, hey, look, I'm starting a spiral. He's like, I got you, dude. He'll send me a video, YouTube video, like something like ridiculous. I'll start laughing and then he'll give me a little play challenge. He's like, hey, you know what? What are five things that you're grateful for right now? Go. Three, two, one, go. You know. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's cool. I really li- I really like the thing about the the smells and getting that to turn turn the mood. I think that's really cool. And I, yeah. I know I know there's smells that I have that do that for me and I can't think of what they are or how I guess I need to be really aware next time I smell it and have right? that thought. Yeah, get I'm, out I'm your, really like, gonna pay attention next time. <laughs> yeah, get out your phone and like uh, like have a list. Like I have a million different lists for different things because for some reason, like call it the ADHD or call it whatever it is. Like my memory sometimes is like I'm just scatterbrained. Like what was it again? Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> so, I know that about myself, and so I have like all kinds of notepads, uh, and sometimes I have duplicates because I forgot I even created it. But nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, same thing. Yeah, um, I have one. It's like oh, favorite smells, and then like I'll you know, oh there it is, or songs. Like because in the moment it's like, hey Gary, what's what's your hype song? Uh, you know, like just putting me on the spot. Like I don't, I don't know. But like I have a list, so I'll just yeah. Here, here's one of those. So like again, going back to the thing, and so this is this is the 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 question, and this is where I'm going to be a little bit controversial here. Um, some people, and again, this is not not necessarily clinical. So I just want to take that and set that aside. Like the. There's some people that have some mental health issues that, you know, are extremely severe and, you know, you know, it is what it is. But some people that aren't necessarily on that extreme spectrum, their identity is so wrapped around the mental health issue, they have a challenge separating that. As in, you know what, I am known as this. And so when they get into that, even though it makes no sense on a logical level they have a challenge wanting to separate it because it is comfortable for them and it's they're comfortable being uncomfortable and and if you ask them like in a non moment like no one would want to be in a state of anxiety or a state of depression like no one wants that but if it's something that you are so used to because it happens over and over and over again the thought of something different from that is unknown and the brain doesn't like unknown the the brain likes certainty so the Ugh. brain would rather stick with something that you know because you know rather than something that you don't know and wow. so again uh, i i had a friend and and you know we've you know done a lot of coaching and stuff like that and i feel like he's seen a different perspective but sometimes when he was in like sort of like his you know I'm 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 having a moment, you know, sort of anxious sort of moment. Yeah. He was more resistant to wanting to do something different because he wanted to stay in that moment. It's like the werewolf turned into a werewolf, and we're trying we we're trying to like, come on, think of the happy thoughts. Come on, come back to the light. Come back. <laughs> oh, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this question: Is like, would you rather be right or happy? And so, like again, 
the way that the brain works in identity is sometimes when you're in that identity, it's challenging to step out of it. And so that's why I like to say you need to have a friend that is kind, not nice, because a nice friend would be like, oh, you know, I get it. You know, let's and then it's almost like it's like, well, you're in that. And so you're going to do things that are going to keep you in that state. So uh, rather than, you know what, I totally get it, you know, affirm their state. Mm-hmm. This is a rough time for you. You know, this, 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 you know, because, again, I have this belief that emotions are real. So when you're in that state, your view of reality is like, yeah, this is how it is. So you need to first affirm that, you know, affirm them. And I learned that from my work in improv and improv. We like to say yes. And so like we like to yeah. accept reality and build on it. And so and say, hey, look, um, you know, we, we talked about this before. You know, you asked me to do this. You know, here's some things. You know, let's try this out. And, and I like to say, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, and I like to say people like to have a choice. Having a choice is better than not having a choice. And I like to, again, this is me being a kind friend because I know that he would do the same for me. He's like, would you rather go down this spiral and then, you know, that's going to turn into like a week or something like that? Or would we like to work on it right now? And if it works, great. If it doesn't, you know, we'll think of something else. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. And then, like, we work on it. But some people, it's a challenge, and they don't want to do that and because they're, it's part of their identity. And, again, everyone is different. So I, you know, you know, I like to challenge you to think, like, because I find myself getting some, some of these spirals because, again, the way that the brain works, you get dopamine. Dopamine helps you keep going on the same direction. Like, so, for example, when you were younger and you did something right – you get a sense of dopamine, which is a sign like, oh, keep doing that. So when you get, keep getting reinforced, when you keep doing something, you want to keep doing that. So if you reinforce the behavior, even though you think you're helping, you're reinforcing the identity. Yeah. So sometimes it's like that hard conversation of like, hey, look, this is rough. I get it. Um, but in re- reminding people like you want to, you know. You want to do some bigger and better things. And um, someone that I admire, um, he wrote this amazing book. His name is Charlie um, Charlie Hohen, and he wrote this book called Play It Away. And he had, um, you know, developed uh, extreme anxiety, um, you know, through his professional career. And it was something that was, you know, he never had it before. And it just, you know, he found himself paralyzed at times and, you know, stressing himself out. And he would start, um, instead of, doing things that would perpetrate that and keep it going, he would start to play. Like he, instead of like having coffee chats with people, you're like, Hey, let's go play catch. He would do things <laughs> that again, starts to build those neurochemicals in the body that will help snap you out of it. So, you know, he's moving his body, he's getting endorphins, he's getting dopamine. And then pretty soon he did like a 30 day challenge. Pretty soon his, you know, anxiety symptoms were going away and they were more manageable. Now it doesn't mean that he doesn't get anxious. doesn't mean that he doesn't get depressed, but he again, used the power of play as a way to, um, essentially heal himself. Wow. And what are, what are some play devices that you recommend to get started? Yeah. So as far as play devices, it's play is a very personal subject. Uh, like, so Dr. Stuart Brown um, he said that there are, let me think, there are seven play personalities and 
give me a moment. I'm going to think of all seven. And so what I like to tell people is uh, before you even know what the different per- play personalities are, I like to say when you were younger, what did you like to do that brought you joy? How can you do a little bit of that now? And it may require that you need to be creative, um, you know, because, you know, maybe there was a, something that you did that you were younger and you can't necessarily do it exactly the same as an adult. But how can you bring the essence of that out in like 10 to 15 minutes? And so let me ask both of you, like, what was something that um, you did when you were younger, preferably under the age of 13? Um, Kyle, you got yours? I said, I'll go, because I knew immediately when you said it. (laughs) Yeah, I can remember having uh, friends come over uh, to spend the night at my house, and we'd play this game called Lockout outside, and it was basically a, I don't remember all the rules, but kind of like a a version of of tag with some, uh, yeah, I don't remember all the rules. I just remember it had some sort of element of of tag in it, but it was a little bit more Mm -hmm. advanced than that. Cool. Yeah. So, so it's a very sort of, um, not necessarily aerobic activity, but like it's, you know, something like sort of capture the flag or something like that. So then it's like, yeah. all right, what are the elements of that that brought you joy? Like, is it the collaboration between other people? Is it the fact that you're running? Like, thinking about that, if you can get a group of friends and play lockout, like that would be epic. And I know that that's not always the case in some of the, like some of these situations, but starting to unpack the different games that you played and understand what are the elements that you really liked and how can you bring some of those elements back in your adult um, life? Wow. Uh, what, what about you, Jeremy? Mine is similar. When I was younger, I, I, I did just sports, baseball, mm-hmm. basketball, every single sport. I love sports. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I played basketball with a, a local here in Taiwan just randomly. He was playing by himself, and I was like, can I join you? And no joke, I shot around for 10 minutes. It just literally t- made my day so much better. It was 10 minutes of basketball. But the one that comes to mind is doing voices, and uh, we played this game. <laughs> I, I love doing voices, and I noticed I'll just, I'll just get – Stuck in just doing like a, a British accent just for no reason. Like people are like, so you do that. Uh, I remember one time I was uh, giving a dating coaching session to this guy, and like the, the second half of the dating coaching session, we're out to, like to the bars, and I'm just fake the British accent. So, and I noticed I just enjoyed coaching him so much more in that moment. And uh, Dark Tag, I played Dark Tag. We would. Uh, the guy would come out of the light room and everyone hides in the dark. And then if the person who's it passes them, you can run to the light room, which is like the safe zone. And yeah, I just looking back at it like, wow. Yeah. It's the camaraderie. Like, Oh, we both made it to the light room. We're both safe. Huh? Yep. Oh, this is an exciting thing. I remember that. Yeah. I love that. And just the fact that of you reminiscing, talking about that, like you're smiling. Like I, I can see right yeah. now you have a big smile on your face. And when Kyle was talking, like I heard like the joy, like in his voice, and that's the thing about our memories and emotion is that thinking about it, it can bring back – like just thinking about stuff like that brings back the happiness. And and that's one of the things of starting the process to get out of whatever rut that we're in because typically when we're in that rut, we have this loop. Um, you know, our uh, – my mentor, Gwen Gorton, she calls it um, W – 
W, um, WB&E radio, wrong, bad, never enough. So it's that static that's playing in our ear that is reinforcing, um, like, our mood is like, all right, we're not feeling confident about ourselves. All right. And it's almost like all the references of all the times that we weren't, um, you know, that we weren't, uh, good starts to show up. Uh, and then we, you know, we get that voice. It's like, well, you're not good enough. And, and I, um, you know, I work with people on, on voice and, and, you know, having to, you know, for my, work in improvisation and i say the words that we say is only a small percentage of how communication is transpired between people the other you know 95 to 97% is our tone and our um body language and so like that voice in our head usually has a tone like this you're not good enough uh you suck at this and then you see everything in vivid color of all the times that you failed at something or or like you know and, and then it makes you just like your body language starts to jump over and then naturally yeah you start to feel bad so it's like you know um if you can start to remember other times and, and like to say, like you have your like greatest hits, like I write down things that bring me joy, like another notebook, things that bring me joy. And I just like, when I need that, I like, I, I, I look at it and I, and it brings back those memories and I start feeling a little bit better. Um, or, and I advise this to everyone is have a, um, I have a folder called uh, fuck. Yeah. Gary Ware. And, and mm. forgive me for cussing if, 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 if you don't cuss on your podcast. Um, and in that folder is anytime <laughs> anyone has ever sent me something, uh, that was of gratitude or something that I did that's awesome. I put it in that fuck yeah, Gary work folder. And so anytime that I need that pick me up, I'll go and look in there. And it's a, especially me and my entrepreneur journey, it can be very lonely. And there's times where I'm like sitting down, like, you know, racking my head up against the wall and I'm like feeling like I'm not making a lot of progress. But then I, oh yeah. I go and I pull out that folder and it's just, it, boom, it's that steam that gets, you know, that keeps me going. Um, but going back to what we were talking about, we were talking about play personalities. And so I'm going to quickly just read them off. Um, there are, um, the Joker. So all of these, I like to say everyone probably has one or two that they resonate the most with. And so step one is, Think about, like, what did you do when you were younger that brought you joy? How can you bring it back a little bit as you're older? If you're having challenges with that, then you can look at these play personalities, and you can go one or two ways. Choose your own adventure. One is if there are a few that you resonate with, how can you sort of play using those as a compass? I like to call it your compass of joy. Or if there are ones that you didn't resonate with, what are some that are, you're curious about, and then you can play with those? So I'll read them off, and I'll talk about them. Them really quick. So the first one is the Joker, and mm. if your play personality is the Joker, your play always revolves around some sort of fun or nonsense. You enjoy practical jokes. Um, you like to entertain people. You're comfortable being silly and delight in making people laugh. You know, uh, uh, that is me. Uh, like in my TEDx talk, I talk about how one of my favorite holidays is April Fool's Day. Um, <laughs> and so that's the first one. The next one's the kinesthetic. Um, so this one is you like to play when you're moving, and that could be through athletics or yoga, dance, jumping rope. Um, you may like competition, but if you are like this play personality, it's all about the movement that is the pure enjoyment. 
Um, and so the next one's the explore. So you love to explore new places or gather new experiences. You know, Jeremy, I like, I feel like you have a bit of exploring you, the fact that, you know, where you are right now. Um, and so someone who play personalities to explore, you like to research, dive into different points of view. You may enjoy exploring your inner world through meditation or music or movement. And then the next play personality is the competitor. Um, you like specific rules and playing to win. You feel exhilarated when competing on a sports field or a board game in the boardroom or even competing with yourself. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name is uh, Kai. He is – that is like his main play personality. He loves competing and like he competes with himself <laughs> all the time. Now, all of these – have a light and a dark side. Like there's the spectrum. Like if you're, you know, too much, it can turn into like a little bit is a little bit intense. So, you know, take it for that. The next one's the director. You love enjoying, uh, you enjoy organizing or planning or orchestrating events. You love being the one in charge and planning out other people's roles. You're com comfortable being the center of, a, of attention. Uh, then we have the collector. You play by gathering the most interesting objects or experiences. Uh, you may travel the world to collect cultural experiences or surround yourself with objects like clothing, equipment, memorabilia, um, gadgets. My dad's a collector. Like he has all kinds of cool collections, uh, stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and then the next one's the artist or creator. Like you like to make things, you know, something beautiful or something functional or just something silly. You like, like, like gardening or cooking or cutting hair. Like you just like to create. Um, and you don't always have to show people your creation, but like the intrinsic joy is found in the act of making and the self-expression. And then there's two more. So there's the storyteller. So this play focuses on fantasy, the imagination. You might like to perform or like, you know, like me, I like to do improv. You might to immerse yourself in literature or movies or just the feeling, the emotions of different characters. You know, Jeremy, I feel like you have a little bit of this too. Um, and then finally the connector. Um, you know, you love most forms of uh, social play, whether it's a good party, networking, religious <laughs> or spiritual ritual, a political rally or barn raising. You don't need to be in charge, but if it involves connection in the sense of being part of a tribe or community, for you it's play. So that, those are the main oh, play personalities. <laughs> so cool. So just hearing those, you know, um, Kyle and Jeremy, like what, anything jump out as you? Um, I feel like I'm a combination of all of them, except for, I think, making things. <laughs> and it's interesting, I I notice that like, I'm a little of everything except for making things. I notice my little shadow guy is like, oh man, I wish I was also this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, a little of all of them. I, I'm definitely, I love cultural experiences like i was um told i told kyle but i i was in, i was in a rut when i first moved to taiwan and i was lonely and i was stuck in this i was stuck but i was in my stuck in my head a bit and mm -hmm. i'm just gonna turn my brain off and go for a bike ride because that brings me joy <laughs> and then ended up like it was during chinese new year here in taiwan and i went and i went for a bike ride and i heard music and celebration and i but so because I was in my like explore mode of being on my bike, I was more open to just approaching this temple of celebration and I got closer and closer. It was just a curious mind and some, some lady approaches me and she's like, Oh, what are you looking? I was, I just think this is really cool. What's going on here? 
<laughs> it turns out she's like she's the only one who speaks English because wow. she had uh, learned it and when she was living in Australia. And I just ex- talking about like exploring and experience another culture. I celebrated uh, this holiday with these with these locals for a few hours, and I just felt so much joy. Like it just snapped. Mm-hmm. And so there's a it's lot to what you, you, you're saying. And did you come up with all of these? Did you get it nope. from somewhere? That's all from Dr. Stuart Brown from his book Play. Oh, okay. Um, and okay. so I, uh, I like to use that as a reference point. So I talk a lot about finding your compass of joy. Like what are the things um, – you know, like if you follow your compass of joy, you can never go wrong. And and this is a good way of honing in on that compass of joy of just like, you know, all right, this sounds right. All right, how can I incorporate that? And that's one of the things where, like to say, if you can see things through the lens of, of the spirit of play, you can take the most boring, mundane activity and turn it into something that is just like off the chart. <laughs> So I'm laughing because I remember there was one day I didn't want to do the dishes. <laughs> so I got it so boring. Like my my ADD child does not want to do dishes. Sit there, clean this, dry this mm-hmm. off. And I, just, I remember just throwing on some earphones and putting some dance music on. I got some chromio going, playing, and I start like dancing, putting the like cleaning the plate, and putting it here. So this, sorry, thought of it. It was a great memory. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. Been what about thing you, with laundry? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, Mary Poppins, she said, like, um, you know, the moment you, uh, like, uh, find that sort of play, it becomes a game, and boom, you know, you know, all that stuff. So, boom full of sugar, whatever the case may be. Um, but, Kyle, was there anything that, in hearing those, that you're like, wow, that sort of resonates? Well, I'll be honest, I missed the first few, because my son woke up for a second, I had to go run up and get him a bottle, but... uh I uh, heard the last four or five kind of sounded like director a little bit because I, I do yeah. like kind of organizing and planning out things. Jeremy will tell you I like doing the whole uh, <laughs> planning out stuff. Uh, oh, only, yeah. Yeah, the only thing that kind of got me was at the end you said they like to be the center of attention. I'm not sure I completely resonate with that, but everything else I was like, yeah, yeah. that sounds like me. My, my friend Beth, um, she – one of her play personalities is director too. And she doesn't like, that's one thing like with those, like I take it like, and I like to adapt and, and make it my own. Um, I feel like you're right. Like with someone who's the director, they love the organizing and planning um, of things. And my friend Beth, she is, that is her superpower. And so much so that now she runs a company that she plans events and we work together on a project. And that's not my superpower, like logistics and stuff like that. Like, it just stresses me out, and we same same here. We crushed it. <laughs> uh, we crushed it because she doesn't want to be the center of attention. She wants like she revels in like the organization, putting it like she just like geeks out on that stuff. And like we we crushed this event, and and I <laughs> couldn't have done it without Beth. So Beth, if you're listening, love you. You're amazing. Thank you. Um, and yeah, that's one of the things. It's not. It's not one of mine. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree. The center of attention. Um, I feel like um, 
is interesting because I can see what they mean by center of attention as in you're the one directing everything. So you don't have a problem like in the organization sort of like telling people what to do. But yeah. if it's like an event, like once that's done, then like you sort of turn it over to someone else to like sort of execute on that. And so it's your own interpretation. It's just like a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Kyle's my best. I was going to say, right? you just described uh, Jamie and I's relationship perfectly. Exactly. Yeah, so I love, like, diving in and getting people and communicating and connecting and getting right. people to be on the podcast and just having fun and playing and doing the whole thing. And Kyle's like, I planned this and I set this up. I'm like, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> and there's, there's almost like a, a beauty in that. Like, I've noticed, yeah. like, my whole thing, as you know, is human connection. And we're mm-hmm. all, pu- you know, puzzle pieces to the larger puzzle. And... It's sometimes it's hard for in the. I still go through it. I've been a lot better, but ego, ego getting involved, where it's just like, all right, I have to be good at everything. I have to do everything, and it's it's almost a, it's just a letting go and just saying, all right, well, Kyle's good at logistics and planning. He enjoys doing it, and you know, I'm I'm good at this part and just kind of going into that role. Like I could do a little bit of the other ones. Like I've gone a lot better, but just. Throwing ego aside, and I think that's also huge in play, throwing ego aside and just playing, and I love it. <laughs> Has either of you seen The Sandlot? Yeah. yeah. Long time ago. <laughs> yeah, you, you remember in The Sandlot, like, their main thing was they wanted to keep baseball going as long as possible. Um, you know, and they invited like smalls and smalls like you know is one of the sort of main characters and he's not that good at baseball and the interesting thing about play like true play is that when you're playing you will self-handicap to help the game go you know you would do anything like there's a thing called infinite and finite games and an infinite game is a game that goes on as long as possible and for them they enjoyed the just the art of baseball. And yes, there's a part in the in the game where they do get competitive and they play against another team. But for them, it was more about them connecting with each other and hitting the ball around. And yeah, they would rag on each other and stuff like that. But true play, like, you know, you do pick on your friends and stuff like that. But it's done just out of fun, not necessarily done to like really like if you're, you know, truly goofing around, you're not doing it to like really like make them mad per se it's just more like yeah yeah we're buds like i'm just gonna just sort of like pick on you just because it's fun and that's what they did in the game and it was just all about in the spirit of play and that's what i like to invite people to do is like how can you keep this going and that does require you to let go of ego and say you know what they're good at that let them do that because by letting them do that the game keeps going and the moment the, the ego gets involved now we are is a barrier to play because we're not being our true self because we are trying to do something um, like our intentions are not pure in that point. And it's, again, it's not like we're consciously doing that. It's more of that unconscious bias stuff. But like when you truly get into that flow state, that play state time goes by like that, you are being challenged, um, you know, in a good way. And then you're connected with other people and you leave feeling more whole than otherwise. Yeah, wow, yeah. Uh, I love it. <laughs> Heck yeah. So one, one thing I had that um, I was been really wanting to ask you is, because I heard you talk about how you should 
try to schedule play on a daily basis, make it a thing that you do on a daily basis, and make it, I think you said 10 minutes per day. Yeah. Because I was trying to think of like, okay, how could I incorporate play 10 minutes per day? I just wanted to hear some ideas from you, you know, on how it's, how we can do that. Okay, yeah. So this was adapted Again, my mentor that I love and share, she taught me so much. And, and if it wasn't for Gwen Gordon, like I don't think I would be on this path. Um, and it's interesting because I feel like the thing that you're called to do is the thing that you need the most sometimes. And for me, it's interesting because I'm that quote-unquote play guy. And because I was growing up, I was the silly guy. I was the guy that was the class clown. Like, I love playing. And it was the thing that was I got in trouble with the most. And it's interesting because I feel like some of our strong superpowers are the thing that when you're younger, you get criticized the most. But it's the thing that as you get older, you need. Um, So nonetheless, um, I was on this path to play because I felt like it was missing from my life. And then as I started learning, I got obsessed and then I wanted to share this with other people. And Gwen, she has this like sort of methodology of like how to get people back to the playground. And she calls it the seven paths to play. And one of the seven paths to play is, um, is to play by design. And what she means by play by design is like, especially as adults, we are not like the we've had the play beat out of us, so um it's all about making um space for play, designing it in your life because if you're not some someone that plays normally and you're suffering from play deprivation, you're like to like think that oh I'm gonna play. It's not going to happen. So if you do not, if you're not intentional, that's what I mean by like making space and and I like to make it so it's so easy that your brain doesn't get in the way. And that's why I say five minutes. And if five minutes seems too daunting, make it two minutes. It, it like make it a minute. Make it sixty seconds of play. <laughs> and then the the reason for that is that it's small enough so that your brain's like, oh, I can do that. 60 seconds, I got that. And then, but what's going to happen is it's going to feel good that you're not going to want to stop. And so, all right, cool. 60 seconds turn into two minutes. Um, and then you, you're consistent with that. And then you're going to start to see the benefits of like, wow, when I took that, you know, play break and I did these games and I learned from researcher Jane McGonagall, uh, where she said, it's all about your intention when you go into it. So if your intention is, you know what, I am making space to play this five minutes so I can feel rejuvenated, so I can better take care of my son. Or um, I'm making this space to play so that I can come back to my work and I can be more productive. Then go do that. And then when you come back, measure how you feel. And so I like to say, you know, you have to schedule it. It's like, you know, the things that are a priority, the things that we do. Does that help? Wow. No, it does. It just makes me think of all the times in my past where uh, I worked for uh, with my friend, and he owned a loan company, and we, we did, he did this thing where because we worked out of his house at one point, but Jeremy got to talk to you downstairs. It's really important. He'd be all serious, and then we play like video games for ten minutes, <laughs> and then and then we go back to 
working and I just I, I, I noticed looking back like I was so much I my work was so much better like I was on the phones I was more open and fun with all the, the, the potential clients you know wanting to do loans and I actually got more loans done like and I was, I was having more fun doing it so <laughs> there's a lot to what you're saying and yeah. it's interesting like growing up you're the class client you're definitely my spirit animal Gary yeah, and I got in trouble for it, and so it's these <laughs> <Me> interesting <too>. <laughs> things. <laughs> like, as, you know, animals, you know, creatures of habit, um, and, like, I get it. Like, there, there's a point about disrupting the class, but, like, if you start to get conditioned that this is a bad thing, then as you get older, when that part of you calls out, you're going to be like, part of you's like, uh, no, I'm not going to do that because – you have all of these reference points going way back to childhood of when you got in trouble for that, even though it's something that is necessary now. But your inner like sort of critic and, and whatever is going to be like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And you don't even know why. And so it's one of those things where um, I wish I saved it, but I saw something on Instagram where it said, guess what? Your kid's sort of disruptive behavior could actually be their superpower if it's reframed in the right context. And I was like, yeah, like that is so true because think about it. Like I was disruptive. Um, and part of it, yes, was the ADHD. And so like the condition <laughs> that the class was in was not conducive to me learning properly. But the other thing was I made learning fun. Like the people around me, like they were laughing and the teacher just, I, I think the teacher just was like, no, 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 it needs to be this way. And you're <laughs> not, you're, you're not going to take over this class. Like it was whatever. Uh, but I do remember again, my superpowers was the connection. So like I would get people together and we would be talking about stuff and we were doing work, but the teacher was like, nope, you need to be silent. You can't do this. Or I would crack a joke here and there and then the class would laugh. And again, oh, I've learned man. since then that humor actually helps people learn things faster. And helps wow. memory retention. But again, it was something that I did that I got in trouble for. So as I tried to re-pull that as... this wrong. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful. I love yeah, this. I love like this conversation because it. it just it makes me just recall past experiences where I didn't understand why yes. I felt negative about acting a certain way in the moment. Mm-hmm. But then afterwards, it was the highlight. So here's a just literally made me think Peace, of it. Yes. I, I wondered why. Um, so I'm in Taiwan, as you know, and I remember I went to some get together and there's this guy who's, he's pretty solid. He's like 60,000 subscribers, whatever. And he wanted help making a, a YouTube video. And we're going out to the night market here in Kaohsiung, Rayfon night market. And I was all pressure and I felt the stress of like being a good support for him and making this video amazing. And it wasn't until I just, stop taking it so seriously and just start dancing with locals and having fun and playing is when like the magic of the video came out. And like the main part of the video, in my perspective, looking back was me like dancing and having fun. And, but I noticed like in the moment, my brain's like, what are you doing? You're looking stupid and stop mm-hmm. that right now. Like all the, all those voices came up and just made me feel stupid and bad. Like I was doing yep. something wrong in the moment. But it was just, uh, yeah, the awareness is so beautiful, I think. And it's yeah. also this dynamic of, like, wanting to fit in. So if I'm acting, like, I'm the, Kyle knows, I love mm-hmm. going outside the status quo, like, how I'm supposed to act. And it's, yeah, in the moment, I'm also uncomfortable. I just like that rush. And I love just 
because I look in like the MRT here. So that's a subway here in Taiwan. Yeah. But people are so on their phones and serious, and sometimes they'll airdrop like funny like pictures to people. <laughs> we are like we are like the same. I used to airdrop photos to people that said, "I see you." Like it was just like a photo of a big <laughs> like. Yes, and then I see them look oh. around. Like, yeah, they look around. <laughs> That's so good. I'll sit there, I'll sit there giggling. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I'll change the name to my phone, and, and I'll call it Big Brother or something like that. Like, I, again, I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> you just give me ideas, and I change my phone, and, like, God. Yeah, right? And then it's just, you're doing a just the airdrop to someone. Great, you're doing like, a great yeah, job. Like, it's very, like, uplifting, like, these, like, little messages, like. I believe in you. You're loved. Like, that would just be hilarious. <laughs> not necessarily accept it because when it shows up, there's going to be the preview of it and they're going to be like. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But I found, oh, I found that post. And so it said, what if a kid's most annoying trait is their biggest talent in disguise? And it said, so it has bossy, crossed out leader, defiant, determined, Demanding, assertive, fearful, thoughtful, impulsive, bold, liar, creative writer, loud, confident, manipulative, negotiator, mean, powerful, quiet, keen observer, stubborn, persistent, sensitive, caring. And again, it's like one of those things that, yeah, like I would get in trouble for like, why did you lie? Like I was like, I don't. I don't know. Like some of the times, again, I have no idea why I made stuff up. Um, I once got in trouble. This is a true story that I came home and I told my mom and I kept this up for like a month that there was a new kid in class and the kid is deaf and he's teaching me sign language. And every day I would come home and like, I learned how to do this in sign language. I learned how to do this in sign language. And my mom was like, wow, this is so cool. And then she went to parent teacher conference. And she like brought this up. She's like, that is so cool that you have this, this deaf child and he's teaching my son so much. And the teacher's like, what? There's no deaf kid. Uh, and I got in so much trouble. I got, oh my God. I was pissed. And, and, and like again, I have no idea why I did it. I have no idea why I did it, but I kept it up for like a month. <laughs> and, um, and, and my mom, that's, that's so good. And I think it was like more she was like embarrassed. But it's so so it's funny. So my son, he's gonna be three, and he does that. Like he and like again, he's three, so everything he does is made up. But he's like, you know what? T- today, Dad at work, you know what I did? I was like, What'd you do at work, son? He's like, Oh, we play <laughs> games. And we were we were um I was speaking in Australia and we were on the patio of our Airbnb and he looked over, he's like, Dad, I can see my work from here. I'm like where? Where it's just so funny like he's just going on about a thing about like work and like that he like for him because he knows that dad goes to work um every day and he finds that fascinating and like and i so i asked him i said so what do you do at work son he's like oh we play games and we watch tv but it's just so funny like he has this vivid imagination about all these people that he knows that's at his work he's like oh me and my friends at work i'm like that's so cool but again again before like like, I feel like we've evolved as a species, and we see that, you know, before those things were considered, like, all right, that's a bad thing. All right, that's lying. Like, I feel like it's, it's like, a, to a degree, like, I I didn't hurt anyone, but, yes, I, I guess technically I was lying. Uh, and, but, yeah. And so, again, that was something that I had to overcome of, like, 
as it comes to storytelling. I was wondering why I was having so many blocks when I was first starting to do improv as far as storytelling. And I remembered that moment of like, I got in trouble for lying or making things up. And then once I like overcame that, that block that I was having, it allowed me to be more free in my improv, but I didn't realize I was having that block that of coming up with stuff. And I was like, maybe it was because I got in trouble for making things up. Wow. Wow, that, res- that resonates with me so much. <laughs> I have no idea. Because when I was growing up, I was also the class clown. And mm-hmm. I remember uh, people were saying, oh, Jeremy, you're so annoying. And I was consistently in trouble for me disrupting the class. And it was, so I have I noticed I have a, kind of the same block. And uh, yeah. I think it's, it's my superpower. Like look, Looking at it now, I, I think uh, it's one of the it's one of the my superpower is it helps me connect to people so easily. Yeah. Um, is my playfulness and my sense of humor and just playing around. Like, that's interesting. My, my friend says like, people trust you. Yeah. Uh, and I always wonder like, why, why do people trust me? And it's like, I guess because I am playful and I love playing, but I do have like a block every now and then. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to do some work on that kind of. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where like, you know, it's just a limiting belief and, a lot of times, so think about this. We are conditioned to, um, you know, that adults know what they're talking about and we should listen to them and, you know, make sense. Um, and we should respect authority. And, but what if, and I know this as adult, like I don't know everything, but when we're a kid, we don't know any different. So if someone tells us that we're doing something wrong, we believe it. And between the age of zero and I think seven, we're in an unconscious state in that we believe what we're told to believe. Because that's just how our brain is molding. And then after that, boom, it's sort of solid. And that's where our beliefs and our sort of actions and stuff are formed. But what if, imagine this, imagine that that one piece of advice, what if they were wrong? And imagine if we can go back and we can think about that and say, yeah, what if it was just one perspective? What else is true? Like I, in the word of improv, we like to say, if this is true, then what else is true? What if the person who says that that was wrong, well, what if they were misguided? And what if we can allow that to be the truth? Not that it was wow. a bad thing, just what if? If that was true, then what else is true? Wow. And what if we can act as if that was the case? How would things be different? And like, and we can imagine that. Like that is, again, you know, it, it takes some work, but that's where the spirit of play comes from. And there's some modalities, you know, where, um, I, I've done some things called playback theater and, and playback theater is where there's different forms of it, but you can take a scenario and you're like, all right, we're going to go talk about this trauma thing. All right, cool. All right. We did this. Well, what if after this, you behave this way? Cool. Let's see that. Let's act it out. Oh, cool. Because again, when you're playing a simulation and sometimes the brain doesn't know the difference between dream and reality, that's why you can have this crazy dream and wake up and like, did that really happen? You think for a second, like, did it happen? Yeah. I don't know. And then, but the cool thing is, you're like acting as if it was true, and your brain's like, oh, it is true. I guess you are confident. All right, cool. All right. <laughs> now you have a reference point of you being confident. It was made up, but your brain doesn't know the difference. <laughs> so I'm just saying, play around with that. That's like, you know, a, a form of play healing. It's called post traumatic growth. Where you're just allowing yourself to just play around with the possibilities. I call it the playground of possibilities. And I love that. If it doesn't work, all right, try something else. All right, cool. We're just yeah. playing around. 
So, anyways, I, I, I can go on and on about this stuff. So, so hopefully, you know, this is somewhat <laughs> helpful. No, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I can... Okay, uh, definitely, I can just what you've been saying about how you were kind of as you as a child and kind of you now working with your own son and like kind of not playing or not playing with Matt, but playing along with his imagination and kind of the. <laughs> The, the lying aspect of it and kind of not shutting down the, the superpower. And that really, that really just opened up something to me just a minute ago. So my oldest daughter, she's about to turn six next month. And she, she comes off as like really bossy. Like she'll just tell you exactly what she wants. And like, so I've always known to like, that's her superpower. Like she's a leader. Like I can tell it already. Like she's just super strong in that. So like me and my wife try to be like really careful. Like we don't want to like, shut her down and like shut her superpower off but at the same time you don't want to get out of control either and then you just talking about that reminds me of my four-year-old daughter uh she sounds just like uh you and jeremy and your son (laughs) she makes up stories and stuff like that she is super playful and i never realized that maybe that's her superpower and maybe i need to explore that a little bit with her and, and be more um how do you want to say I play along with her a little bit more and that type of stuff. So I'm really glad you mentioned that because that was just like a, a light bulb that just went off my head and I was like, whoa, I never even thought about it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's do either you are, are you familiar with the work of Zig Ziglar? You like I know he like he does a lot of emotional or um, inspirational talks and stuff like that. Zig Ziglar. No. Yeah. He did. You can look him up. He does a lot of personal development, and and I was listening to one of his talks, and he was talking about this gentleman. Uh, he was a major league baseball player, and he was doing a tour of uh, prisons, and you know, just inspiring people and having these talks. And one of the inmates, you know, they asked him. They said, "So how did you become that? Like, what what happened?" And he said, "Well, I was always interested in baseball, and my dad said, you know what, keep that up. One day you will become, you know." A baseball, you know, player. Um, and he, like, I took it to heart. And the, in that moment, the inmate said, you know what? My dad said, hey, if you keep acting like that, you're probably going to be in prison one day. And it's like the whole thing about expectations of other people and the small things that we can, imp- that we get imprinted that we don't even realize that we get imprinted that could change our destiny. And, and you're absolutely right, Kyle. Like in Ooh. that, like, imagine, like, I love how, you know, you and your wife have this reframe of, like, no, she's going to be a leader. And then, you know, imagine if you have, like, these sort of powerful messages, like, you know what? I really love that determination. You know, if you if you keep that up, you know, one day you're going to be X, Y, and Z. Wow, you're an amazing storyteller. Like, tell me more about that. But, again, this is just something that, like, as a species, mm-hmm. as a, like, we we're, like, starting to realize, like, the impact of that. You know, we didn't have that, like, 20 30 40 years ago and and it's one of those things like in the work that i've been doing like with myself of just realizing you know what i like me and my dad didn't have the best relationship and it's definitely improved over the years um and i think one of the reasons is because i was just like a handful it was like you know and having a son now like i get it like and so i um you know i tell people that i didn't have the dad that i wanted but I became the person that I am because of the dad that I had. 
And so mm-hmm. in that moment, I didn't always like like or agree what he did, but that made me the person that I am. I am more of a sensitive person. I am more of a caring person because I told myself, well, I don't want to be like that. So I learned what not to do for my dad. And for that, I thank him for that. Mm-hmm. And it's something that has helped me become the parent that I am of realizing, you know what? I want to be someone like, yeah, I don't want to stifle my son's creativity to be like, no, that's not how it is. And in my TEDx talk, I was talking about like how I wanted to be a, a very supportive dad and my, and my son, he was very curious about ba- uh, basketball. And like, I thought, and this is the interesting thing. I had to sort of stop myself. I thought I was helping him by saying, no, this is how you do basketball. This is how you do basketball. And then, but he had a different agenda that he wanted to take the basketball and hit it with a, a wooden spoon through this like sort of thing and put it in a drum head. Like it was just like his form of play. And again, as adults, sometimes we forget, like just let them play around with it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to do. <laughs> it is it's challenging. Like, cause we think that we're helping, but sometimes maybe we're not. And so like, mm-hmm. it is like definitely like with, with my son, you know, he, he'll be three next, um, uh, in a few weeks. And so it is uh, one of those things where, like, me and my wife, we like, yeah, this is challenging. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, and I can see how people that, again, if they didn't have this sort of training, like, we, we've read a lot of books and we've had a lot of mentors. You know, no one, like, you know, they joke around like, hey, you know, the parenting manual. No one, like, there's not, like, when you go home with your child, you don't get that manual of, like, this is how you can be a supportive parent. And people do the best that they can with what they have. And sometimes the rules that worked before aren't very effective now. And so, you know, mm. you have to have some grace and realize that, you know what? We are doing the best that we can. <laughs> sometimes I feel like a very crappy dad. I'm like, dude. But then I realize, like, hey, you know what? We're not perfect. Absolutely. <laughs> I, know that, I know that message of uh, I'm doing the best I can. It's pretty... I, 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 I thought I've talked about this a lot. It's like just even saying I'm doing the best I can. My brain will start doing the best it can. Right? Again, <laughs> the words point. of power. Powerful. Yeah. And then I, I heard you talk about the dynamic of uh, your expectations of people is powerful. And I totally agree with that. I was reading a book. It's called Coactive Coaching. I don't know if you heard of it. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was talking about like have the expectation that people are naturally creative, naturally resourceful, and naturally whole. Just have the expectations. I always talk about this in connection because yeah, I'm like the connection person, and yeah. just have the expectation that everyone's so nice and so friendly, and then just have the space for them to be friendly, as opposed to you know our brains don't want to connect with people naturally. Well, we like connection, but we don't because we want to be safe. You don't want to put ourselves in a position of uh, danger. But just for me, what helps me is just, yeah, having that expectation and holding that space for the friendly side of a person, the the best of that person. This person's amazing. This person's so nice and friendly. And I've had, like, I've had situations where I just, my brain will want to say this person is going to be awful. And then I'm like, no, hold on. This person's amazing. And I'll talk to them. I'll even say out loud. Like I do this all the time in Taiwan. Like people in Taiwan are so friendly. I'll say it almost. That's one of the first things I say a lot of the times. It's like, wow, people in Taiwan are so friendly. And even though initially sometimes people like won't want to be friendly, just saying that out loud, they're like, all of a sudden people in Taiwan are friendly. So I have to match that expectation. Yeah. You will find reason to believe that. And, you know, 
the, if you want to prove that point, all you have to do um, is I I tell people well, actually no the easiest way to prove that point is that there's this YouTube video um, have you seen it where they're um, they have you count how many times the basketball has been passed and then mm-hmm. afterwards they ask you a question no I'm not gonna in the event that someone hasn't seen it I'm not gonna give away the ending but in that moment after I watched it the very first time I realized that wow. I missed something, and it's one just like what you said, Jeremy, is that your brain is going to show you whatever you need to see. Um, and so if you have the lens that people from Taiwan are nice, your brain is going to paint that reality for you. So I highly recommend – have either of you seen that video? No, send it, it to us. All right, I'll find the link. I'll send it to you. And and again, so this is the thing. I'm not going to tell you the the ending just so you can be so pure with it. Um, but even after you find out what happened, you could um, go back and still, like even if you like you know the surprise in the hook, you will still be surprised if you follow the directions to a T because our brain will only focus on what it needs to focus on and the things that it doesn't focus on, it doesn't see. And so Mm -hmm. that's one of the things where they had research to back this up, where they told these teachers that they had exceptional students, gifted students. And these kids went on to score exceptionally high Mm -hmm. only to find out that they were just normal kids. But because the teacher (laughs) believed that, they were working with exceptional students that um, they the kids rose to the occasion because they started you know treating them that they were exceptional. They didn't give them a pass on anything, but it's one of those things where if if I were to tell you like, oh yeah, this person is uh, incredibly smart, you're going to have the expectation that they're smart, and so you're going to just start maybe talking to them differently. You're going to see them differently, and they're going to show up differently. Whereas if you have the expectation like, oh that person's going to pick your pocket or something like that, you, you're going to maybe act differently around them, and they may show up. They you might start seeing all the signs that person is going to steal from, you know. So I don't know. It's really fascinating. Sounds like your story from last week, Jeremy. (laughs) Tell me. (laughs) I was uh, was teaching uh, like these 12 to 14-year-old kids, and uh, the people at the school, they told me that this school, oh, good luck in that class. They're such a challenging, disruptive class. And <laughs> the first thing I did when I entered the class was like, I hear this class is a really awesome, amazing class. <laughs> and one of the kids just started laughing hysterically. Like, is this guy serious? We're like the most disruptive. Like, no, no, I'm actually serious. I hear you guys are great. You guys are amazing. You're really fun. You're really, you know, playfulness and that. And I was like, here, it's a great class. I'm just... I just kept on doing it. Like, this class is so amazing. I would just say it out loud all the time. You guys are so fun. You guys are so, you guys listen. I really love it. I kept doing it. And it ended up being like the most enjoyable class I've ever taught. Like the class that everyone at the school said was the most disruptive and the worst to teach was my favorite. There you go. And that I'll, is it. And I'll super play. Yeah, and I was super playful and I like teach sentences. I, I remember I gave an example of like the sentence structure. I made the most ridiculous, like <laughs> the crocodile did this, this, and this, and this. And the kids like had fun, you know, making sentences and they all actually like did it. It was beautiful. And you know what's so funny? We are like maybe 
it's what is it called like that uh quantum physics stuff because i'm kid you not i'm teaching um a middle school improv class uh it's a 12-week class and i i had to do a reframe because someone told me because i was going in thinking like oh that's gonna be amazing i'm so excited i taught some improv to middle schoolers before and it was a great experience and so um that was all the references that i had and, and everyone kept saying be careful they're the worst. They're the worst. They're the worst. And yeah. the first week was so hard. I like went in. I was like, I don't know what happened. Middle schoolers are the worst. And so I had to go in. And I literally said, no. What if they're not the worst? What if they're just misunderstood? Like I had to do the work. But it was so funny because that first week I was like, you guys jinx me. I got the worst. <laughs> These kids are so bad. Like it was. <laughs> uh... See, this is what happened is you took on their projections? Or exactly, what? yep. And then I made the kids the worse. Wow, yeah. Wow. So, so, so instead of, like, well, so when a kid's, like, just being disruptive, you're like, stop that, what are you doing? Yeah. As opposed to, like, I love your energy, but can we go ahead and focus it on this, this, yep. and that? Like, I love your energy, though. Like, exactly. Affirming yeah, it, right? yet redirecting it. Exactly. That's good. Yeah. Oh wow! Put a little link on the screen. Oh yeah, I, was, I thought we lost Gary for a second. <laughs> Back. Sorry. Yep. I. Um. Yeah, I put the um the link to that YouTube video. You can watch it in your spare time. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes for everybody listening to. Cool. All right. Well, I know we've been on here for a minute. We don't keep you all night or all morning for Jeremy. It's already 10 a.m. here in Taiwan. I <laughs> uh, do want to ask you one last question. Please. So if you had one message to get out to everyone in, in the world, or if you want to have you know, people listen right now, take away one message from this, you know, what would it be? It would be, what is one thing that you could do right now to bring out the spirit of play. Just think of it. And then go do it. I like it. I like it. I love it. <laughs> well, well, I know this week I'm going to be thinking of different ways I can incorporate more play into my day. Me too. Hold on a second. <laughs> Alright guys, so we went ahead and we discovered the new uh, material. This is called Blue Atomia. This uh, Atomia will save the planet and the planet will now be together and uh, all global warming will come to an end. Here we go! <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So excited to receive that. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, love you, uh, brother. Thanks for being love you. This is yeah. Thanks for coming amazing. on. Easy. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like seriously, the highlight of my evening. <laughs> thanks for playing with us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you guys want to follow and keep up with what Gary's doing, you can find him on Instagram at Gary Ware. Uh, where is spelled W-A-R-E. You can also find him at Breakthrough Play on Instagram. That's his uh, company. You can also check him out, uh, BreakthroughPlay.com, Breakthrough Play on Facebook. 
he's just about everywhere. You know, we always talk about surrounding yourself with, you know, positive people, especially when it comes to social media, making sure your feed is surrounded with positivity. So when you are scrolling through, if you are, you know, you're seeing good stuff and that stuff that's making you feel bad. And Gary's definitely somebody that I follow, somebody I want in my feed. So I think you guys should definitely go give him a follow, check him out, and just access your playful side.